Hello, everyone. This is Erica Spicer Mason, a writer and editor with Becker's Healthcare. Thank you so much for tuning into the Becker's Healthcare podcast series. I'm pleased to be joined today by Mike Morris, the president and CEO at Extend Healthcare. Mike, welcome, and thank you so much for being here with us today. Yeah, thank you, Erica, for having me. I appreciate it. We're thrilled to have you. And just before we get started, I wanted to know if you'd like to share just a little bit more about yourself, maybe your role and your organization as well. Absolutely. Uh, again, my name is Mike Morris. I'm the president and CEO of Extend Healthcare. I've been in this role for about seven and a half years, uh, but my rev cycle roots go back to the early 1990s. I've spent some time in the public policy sphere, a little bit of time in the political sector, uh, but most of my time uh, working with health systems to make sure they appropriately get paid for the valuable services that they render to patients. So it's been a great career. And then at, with respect to uh, Extend Healthcare, I'll briefly share, uh, our focus is end-to-end -end revenue cycle services. So everything from pre-service, you know, financial counseling, uh, patient insurance demographic capture, all those things that are necessary pre-service to get right, uh, we help our customers with. And in the mid-rev cycle, coding, CDI, HIM, those things that uh, influence whether or not a claim is gonna get paid and get paid at the rate that it should. Uh, we perform those services and then the traditional business office functions, billing, follow-up, collections, all the way through to full claim adjudication. We can do either that entire spectrum or a subset of that spectrum for our customers. And our customers typically are either health systems or large physician groups that have revenue cycle challenges that they're looking for a partner to help them solve. Great. Thank you so much, Mike, for some of that context. I think that's really helpful. And it's great to hear too, how much experience you have in the revenue cycle. I'm sure you've seen it evolve quite a bit over time. I think since the nineties, you said, so it's great to have your perspectives today. And just considering that we're, you know, nearing the end of 2023, which is pretty wild. Um, we know that hospitals and health systems really are bracing for a lot of the current challenges they're seeing right now to carry over into next year. So they're, they're focused on efficiency, strengthening their workforces, and of course their finances too. So I wanted to get your take, you know, in your view, what are their biggest barriers to reaching some of those aims? Yeah, it's a great question. And it's an interesting time that we find ourselves in. Uh, we refer to it as post-pandemic. Um, although COVID-19 certainly still influences many aspects of our society. But if you think about it, uh, health systems help, were able to survive via the help of a lot of government cash infusions during the height of the pandemic. And it was much needed in order to be able to serve the many patients that were coming through the doors of a health system. Most of that, those monies have since dried up, and some of those monies actually were advances that get paid back by health systems. So we're at a point now where as that cash from these unique sources have gone away and health systems have to figure out how to live off of their patient revenues, 
it's been very difficult to adjust. So if you look across the health industry, most providers have seen a dilution in their balance sheet, less cash in the bank, days cash on hand going down. So there's a lot of challenges that, that you know, were, were challenges throughout uh, the last 20, 30 years, but they're more intense right now than they've been before. And uh, you bring up a great point with respect to people. There are, there's a, a limited amount of people that have deep domain expertise in revenue cycle. And those resources are incredibly hard to come by and they're hard to retain once you find them because they've got an extremely marketable skill. So I, I think that that's helping to add to the overall challenges that we're facing in the industry. And why it's so difficult is that, you know, take it, for example, denials. And I know, you know, many of the podcasts I have the opportunity to listen to with Beckers talk about denials, but we really are in an interesting place right now with respect to the number of claims that don't go through and get paid appropriately without human intervention. And if you, you know, Kaiser Foundation had uh, published a stat that I found interesting. It was that 17% of claims submitted through plans that are offered on the exchange get denied, and that was in calendar year 2021. I also saw a stat, I think Experian published it, that there's been over 100,000 payer changes, either policy changes or edits that have been introduced over a 24-month cycle ending in 2022. So it helps explain why claims are very, very difficult to submit in a manner that they won't get denied because the rules constantly change and it's very, very difficult to stay on top of all of that. So I think with all those things adding up together, we're at a real tipping point in the industry in terms of being able to help drive that cash flow necessary to keep health systems up and running and able to treat their patients. Yeah, thank you so much, Mike. I think tipping point is the right way to describe it. And as you were outlining all of those challenges, while many of those challenges kind of seem separate on the surface, they are quite interrelated when it comes to the rate of denials, finding enough skilled people to do the work, and then, of course, uh, tight finances that organization. Yeah, I think that's right. Yeah. So kind of going, taking that a little bit further, you know, with this increased financial pressure, of course, there's more pressure on finance leaders to demonstrate value, to show ROI. And there's that saying that what gets measured gets managed. So thinking about this, in your view, how can data support finance leaders' decision-making? And do you have any examples of tools or processes that are helpful here? Yeah, this is another evolving area of RevCycle. If you, if you think about it, historically, we've relied on old data to be able to make decisions. And I think it's because many of the revenue cycle metrics are measured in much the same way as financial statements are. So it's not unusual to be looking at a month-end book and a month-end metric when you're two-thirds of the way through the next month and then you're having to rely on that information to make an informed decision on any course correction necessary to be able to do a better job in the areas of revenue cycle. Where I see a big move and something that's been very, very helpful for us and for, for many of our customers is the whole concept of being able to measure that data in real time and then to be able to report it out to decision makers 
at the appropriate level. So you hear about things like real-time dashboards, and I think the electronic health record platforms are doing a much better job of trying to create those types of views that are based on today's data, not last month's data, and then presenting it in the right at the right level for the right role within an organization to be able to help drive those decisions. So it makes that data much more predictive of what needs to happen or what will happen tomorrow than the data that we have historically relied upon to make decisions. And I think that's going to help us be much more nimble as an industry to be able to address issues real time and address them and fix them before they become a big problem because you're making decision based on today's data, not yesterday's data. Right, and to your point about how many changes are happening in the current environment, old data just really won't do a service to anybody. There's, yeah, that adaptability and the real-time quality of data is so needed right now. And so I know we talked a little bit about the increase that we're seeing in denials, claim submission errors, slow payments, and then of course the evolving policies around payments. Um, what opportunities do you see here for technology to drive improvements? I know we've talked about that real-time characteristic, um, but is there anything else you would add to that? And maybe you could share any outcomes that you've seen in technology applied here? Yeah, good, great question again. And I think there's a couple of things that I would point out. There are a lot of tools out on the marketplace today. And then you've got the EHR platforms that have tools embedded within them to help address revenue cycle issues. And many of those tools are very good. Oftentimes, though, you see that once they've been implemented and they're in production, that they're sub-optimized. They don't do everything that they potentially could do because of limitations that exist in that particular instance or installation of that software. So one of the things that we often find when we're talking to customers is that there are ways to tweak and improve the existing software that's in place to be able to get to better outcomes. And I think that's something that all facilities should always be looking to in order to make sure that you're getting the full ROI that you were counting on when you made that capital expenditure to put that tool into place. So, so that's number one. The, the second thing I would say is that tools that drive automation or skills-based routing or specialization, I think have the highest yield for facilities that don't yet have those tools in place. So. You know, we mentioned earlier staffing shortages. If I look at what is done in an automated fashion today that no longer requires human intervention, and I look at that across the industry, there's been significant improvements, meaning that it's not as labor intensive as it used to be on the provider side to be able to get a claim prepared, submitted, paid, and fully adjudicated without as much human touches along the way. However, we're nowhere near a point where, if you think about the banking industry, transactions happen there for just pennies and there's no human in the loop along the way. That's not the way revenue cycle works for providers. There's still a lot of things that need to be done manually. So where you can't automate, the next step in our view is that you should 
you have a workflow capability that allows you to aggregate like kind manual work events that need to be done and then send that to a specialized knowledge worker that focuses on that specific issue all day every day and depending on the size and scale of the or volume of claims that you're dealing with uh, you can get a very high degree of specialization if you've got enough of those specific instances that you can route to somebody that they can get hyper efficient at performing that single work event very, very well, as opposed to having a whole rev cycle team of generalists that know a little bit about everything. We think it's important to be able to have a team of people that have a high degree of specialization. So we focus on those tools. We have an internal tool that does just that, um, that helps our team and loosely works with our customer systems to be able to make sure that the next work event is done because it has to be done manually and it's the highest and most effective next use of a resource's time so that you're knocking down the big items and improving your overall operations by getting to the right inventory at the right time. So it sounds like it's really important to apply so much intention behind, you know, what tasks are going to be delegated to technology and what tasks are, to your point, highest yield and most appropriate for human manual work. Is that right? That's correct. Yes. Great. Thanks, Mike. So you have so much experience in the revenue cycle field, and I know that you've seen a lot change over time, but then of course, those persistent issues are still there too. Um, what do you think is on the horizon for technology applied to the revenue cycle? And what, what's exciting you in this space right now? Yeah, you know, it's a great question again. Um, I, I think that we, because we are at a tipping point, it's more important than ever that as an industry, we start to figure some things out and start making an accelerated change based on technology. So, you know, I think the rate of change that we're going to experience in the next five years is far greater than the rate of change we've seen in the prior five years or the five years before that. So, so that's a, that's a, a note of hope. Um, that I, I do think that's going to happen and it's going to change how we perform services in the revenue cycle space. You know, the, uh, artificial intelligence or AI is just one example. You know, tremendous hype around the uh, things that AI could potentially do, but we've also heard tremendous hype about other technology innovation in the past, things like blockchain, or if you go back far enough, you know, computer-assisted coding in the mid-rev cycle space, all of those things were going to change all the rules of how we work, uh, but didn't necessarily achieve any of the high aspirations that people had for, the, for those types of technologies. But I do think AI is potentially different. And I'll give you one use case that I, I really am excited about with AI. If you think about it, with all of the denials that occur, we could go and use AI just to look at the data within a particular health system to identify trends in denials in real time, as well as to identify what types of appeals have been successful by payers. So you can, you can utilize AI in the not too distant future to be able to help craft a denial appeal or reconsideration, whatever the payer calls it, that will have all of the right information and only that information that you have seen historically 
has resulted in that payer uh, approving an appeal and ultimately paying a claim. So what today requires a lot of specialized know-how to be able to manage a portfolio of appeals can be done in an automated fashion by using AI. And that AI can improve over time as it starts to identify trends as more and more appeals take place. The other thing it can do, and probably the most important thing it can do, is it can identify things in real time and push changes earlier in the revenue cycle that will keep that next claim going out the door from being denied for the same reason. So you have this continuous improvement component to your denials uh, strategy, while you're also making sure that your appeals are written in a way that's most likely to result in the positive outcome you're seeking when you're going back to that pair and asking them to reconsider a claim. Thanks so much, Mike. It, it's really interesting to hear, especially at the level of detail that you just described, what is potentially on the horizon with AI. Um, you know, it just sounds like it, there's a chance that many of the pain points that we're seeing today, if innovation happens as quickly as you're expecting it to, and I think many others are expecting it to, sounds like uh, there might be some relief <laughs> for revenue cycle teams. Yeah. Great. Well, before we hop off, is there anything else that you wanted our listeners to take away from our conversation today that maybe we didn't get the chance to touch on yet? Yeah, I always say anytime I get the opportunity to speak, um, I always try to end with something very important that I think we lose sight of from time to time. And that is what we do in revenue cycle is extremely important. You know, we've talked about all the challenges that we have coming out of the pandemic. And when you're showing up every day, performing valuable work within RevCycle, it's always interesting, but it's not necessarily glamorous. And sometimes I think it's easy to lose sight of the true mission that we're all on, and that is to help patients and save lives. And everybody within the revenue cycle, although they may not be clinical, what they do is critical to helping that next patient that's gonna walk through the door. So, so I hope that everybody, as they're trying to, to tackle these big challenges, um, never loses sight of the fact that what you do is super important part of our overall healthcare ecosystem in our country. And it's a, it's a neat mission to be on, and I'm glad that I'm on that mission with so many of the people on, that are listening in today on this podcast. Mm. What a fantastic note to end on, Mike. Thank you so much. I always really enjoy talking to folks who are passionate about what they do and have so much experience and insights to share. So thank you so much again for joining us today. Yeah, thanks, Erica. Have a great day. Thanks, Mike. And we'd also like to thank Extend Healthcare for sponsoring today's episode. You can tune into more podcasts from Becker's Healthcare by visiting our podcast page at beckershospitalreview.com.